Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RF Refugees Podcast. Ted here, John here. Producer Brian is just straight killing it, folks. I'm able to hear the music coming in. I'm able to see myself to know that I look good coming in on the stream. He's not, you know, digitizing some like weird uh, things in the background or, you know, making fun of me. So I know, you know, it, it's nice. It's nice. John, how was you going to make? He still could be making fun of both of us. Yes. He just wouldn't know yet. <laughs> Josh, how are you doing, my friend? We are. Uh, John is doing good this weekend. We are. We are killing it. We had a great interview that we're really excited to, uh, to tease for you tonight and to release in full tomorrow. It's uh, it's been. It's, we're also. It's a lot of snow here. I don't know about you guys. Probably not for you, Ted. Right. You, three, got- three to five. I mean, it, it, it was enough to to say yes. That was a snow. That we got some snow, and it's on the ground. It's not like a dusting or anything. Uh, my dog was very freaked out by the snow. Took him out on a walk, and he like stops at the door, and he's like, "What the heck is going on?" So, yeah, loads of fun. But um, but yeah, but uh, things are good. Uh, I I turned, uh, I turned thirty. Hey, <laughs> which I'm which I'm not I'm not uh, necessarily happy about, but it is what it is. The the passive time takes us all. I gotta tell you now, now now I am on the other side of that. So I remember when I turned thirty, and I told my friends who I was older, younger than, and I was like. Man, I feel so old. I'm 33. Oh, and then people were older. Like the feeling that they had at the time, I'm now feeling. So I know what that shut up. Shut up. Things still work. <laughs> I, I can't get I can't get any any let me just say this. I can't get any sympathy from anybody I work with because a lot of them, every one of them is much, much older than 30. And they're like, no, you're 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 you're, they're like, oh, I could be your I could be your dad or I could be your mom. Like I'm like That goes away. I remember (laughs) I remember being the youngest guy in the office always, where it would be like, John will know how to do that because he's he's young. And then all of a sudden, you're not anymore. And then (laughs) and then they're like, Oh, he won't know what TikTok is. No, he's he's too old for that. Yeah, I do. I know what it is. <laughs> I'm still not quite on the TikTok train. I know what it is. I'm just not on the TikTok train. Anyway, uh, we got uh, we, we, we got need s- a sh- we need a show TikTok. We need a <laughs> we need an RFK refugees TikTok. I don't. We, maybe we do. I don't know. We'll see. I watch it enough to know all the memes. All right, we've successfully derailed the show in record time. Good for us. Let's jump into uh, the news. We got we got of course the the breaking news. We get to actually like come in. There was some actual news. We we didn't plan to be doing a show on deadline day for or European deadline day, but we are, and uh, we have some news that uh, that that we can cover uh, for that. But we'll get to that in a minute. First things first. Uh, the little thing, the little thing that's sort of leading up to to why you're seeing all these all these loan deals uh, in MLS, the CBA and the potential lockout. Um, it is, uh, they, they set a new deadline for February 4th. Uh, it was supposed to be, I think like January 29th or something like that. Correct. It was the arbitrary, somewhat arbitrary 30 day deadline, uh, that the players association viewed as optional and the league viewed as complete, although they did extend it after the fact, but it's not looking great folks. It's not, uh, this is, uh, this is something that this, I expected this during the last negotiation that they were, this would be drawn out and everything like that. Uh, everything came together. Um, where I, the question is, you know, what, what happens when they reach that, that, that February 4th deadline, uh, MLS is trying to turn on the charm offensive. Uh, but I think a lot of people around the league, the supporters, Everybody's just kind of uh, kind of fed up, I think, with the owners. I think the players are too. Um, there's been a big question uh, coming out, uh, and I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due on the allocation disorder podcast with uh, Sam Stay Skull. And you I can get that name. 
You can get that name with all those with all those Polish J's and S's. Because <laughs> I hear it all the time. Because I hear it all the time. Uh, but but on the Allocation Disorder podcast, uh, Paul Tenario, sorry, is the other person I think who's on that podcast. Um, they have been saying, you know, is this financial necessity or is this financial opportunism? And they've actually done, I think, a very good job of laying out that this is probably financial opportunism. They, yes, the, the league has probably lost money, but these a lot of these owners have made money over the pandemic. In fact, that's been a running story: is a lot of very rich people got richer through this pandemic, while a lot of other people got poorer uh, and lost jobs. Uh, so th- there's very little sympathy for the owners going around and sort of how they've gone about this. The owners um, all had GameStop stock. I think is what they're <laughs> they all they were all big on GME. Yeah, and, and, and AMC stock. I'm not, I'm not sure how that one's going, but not great. Um, not great. <laughs> not great. <laughs> but um, it's 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 hard for me, I guess, as a fan. It's hard for any fan because you you want to you know you want to start playing the season. Yes, it's a pandemic. Yes, there's a, there's a lot of things going on, but we want to be excited about it. We want to get the schedule out. We want to start talking about games. We want to start looking forward to the season. We, we'd love to spend time talking about the new signings, you know, and, and bringing people in. Um, it, this league is making it really, really hard to do that uh, with with kind of what's going on. Um, the, go ahead. I think that just just for people who aren't paying super close attention, the big sticking point is the league wants to make this agreement go through the twenty twenty seven season. So whatever they decide now, they want to extend yet another year further. Um, the, the the players are not into that. The players, although you know they're they're willing to play ball with money. Uh, but they want to. Well, they, if they're going to do that, they say, "Well, then let's make free agency happen sooner." Let's. What's some of the things that are non-financial? The league is saying this is a financial problem. What are some things that are not strictly financial in nature that we can get to to make this worth our while? And the real question is, throughout all this, are the players going to go through with this? Is the is the players' association willing to not play anymore? Uh, to get those things in the, or, or is the league going to just say, I think more likely the league is just going to say, if we don't get what we want, you won't play. And that's fine. We save money by you not playing. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's kind of what, that's kind of what we're seeing And you. And, and a large reason they, they, the players do not want to extend that deal is there's a little thing happening in 2026 uh, called the uh, FIFA world cup, I think is what it's referred to. That's going to be taking place in the U S Canada, Mexico. Yeah. I've heard of that term. It's a small little tournament. I mean, but, but it's, it's, it's a big deal. I had friends earlier today asking me how to get tickets to that. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> good <sure>. luck. <laughs> yeah. So we can't do like a group. Th- no, Ticketmaster.com yeah. slash world cup. <laughs> yeah. You put in, you put in, uh, you put in, uh, applications and you get chosen. Um, I tried to do it with my dad in 2006. It did not go well. Ted, we need did to put not- in for media credentials. If they play in DC, there we go. That's what we need to do. That's how we're getting in. There we go. I don't know though. I don't know if I want to go to FedEx field, which is where it would be. Oh, I will. Fine. <laughs> you don't have to go. I'll go. That's fine. Uh, it, it would be a tough decision to weigh. Let me just say that. Um, FedEx is, is a dump. And even though I'm pretty sure hopefully, probably by 2026, Dan Snyder will have his new stadium up on the RFK uh, stadium plot. So maybe it'll be a bit different. We've got a question I want to throw on here real quick while we're t- still talking about sure. this. Uh, from Too Loud Adams, which is a, I think probably the only Loud United specific podcast out there, at least currently. Uh, check them out. Does the MLSPA have a desire to incentivize longer contracts? MLS contracts seem to be so short compared to other top leagues in the world. Don't players want longer contracts and more job security? Uh, I think uh, by the time a player has choice uh, in the matter, which is after their rookie deal, 
they're more interested in going to make more money because compared to what they are being paid locally versus the international market, um, they it actually behooves them to have short contracts uh, and then move and, and go and go and really maximize their, their earning potential. So. Well- yeah, the the way to look at this too also is from from a player's perspective right now, and and this 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 is changing in MLS, but MLS for a long long time has been very resistant to sell players. I mean, there was what Don Garber was saying in the beginning, which was you know oh we want to be a league of choice, and you know and and there have been numerous times, and I think maybe some fans forget this, Bobby Convey. Uh, Clint Dempsey, a lot of those players had to fight tooth and nail to get sold because there wasn't a lot of incentive for teams to do so. So almost short contracts benefited those players because, hey, if you played well enough and you got noticed well, noticed, you know, well enough, then, you know, the, the team is e- is either more incentivized to sell you because otherwise you walk for free unless you're Lucho Acosta in DC United's case. Um, and we'll get to that in a little bit. I think that's playing into this Paul Arielda thing. Um and uh, you know you're more incentivized to 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 sell players and to and to uh, and to get them off. Uh, so I think longer contracts would actually maybe hurt a little bit, especially in a league that is is now fast, very very fastly becoming a uh, a sort of a jumping off point, um, and teams are being more and more more and more uh, willing to sell, and they're being more incentivized to sell. So. Um, I, I think that's that's playing into this a little bit. Maybe why you don't you don't see a lot of longer contracts. Um, and MLS, of course, also loves their option years. So you know you'll see the two years and an option and and all those things like that. And we so. have two examples of that. We'll talk about in about five minutes. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, CBA. Uh, hopefully, hopefully something to kind of wrap up that conversation. Hopefully something happen, happen, happens on that podcast. If you're looking for a even handed approach, you won't find it here. We are definitely on the side of the players. Uh, we definitely think that the players should go for this. Um, I think, uh, I think there's still a question of you know, what, how much you know, how many players are really would really be around by the 2026 season? Are they really going to care? Uh, it seems that they're pretty united on this front, which is which is good to see in a lot of ways because I think there's some players that are saying, you know, I might, I don't really have the option maybe of going to Europe. I, this is the league I'm probably going to be moving around in. So uh, you know, I want to secure my long term future in that way. Secure the bag. The uh, the the situation too, I think, is interesting. That uh, the Screaming Eagles, a bunch of different, a bunch of different supporters groups across uh, MLS came out with statements today, uh, directly backing the players. Sort of not really being Switzerland about this, saying that for sure, uh, this is about you know, supporters are about the players. They're not about the teams. They're not about the league. Um, so we encourage you to check that out. They have that posted on their, on their website. Uh, but basically overall, um, they're saying, and the thing that, the thing that drew out here that I think is very notable, I'll read this little section. The most passionate of soccer supporters are drawn to the game because the club represents more than an entertainment business with a bottom line. It is the care of players and supporters with one another. Uh, the game is a bond between club and the community from which it springs. It is the dreams of a young player working to play for the home side it is why DC United supporters helped fight to build an urban stadium and backed public money being spent to that end. It was backing DC United ownership in its hour of need, with the expectation that they would act as responsible stewards of our club. Yet now, amid the continuing global pandemic, MLS owners threatened to lock the players out, uh, withholding our shared joy from us over recovering pandemic losses years into the future. MLS players, staffs, and officials have already sacrificed much in 2020, putting their health at constant risk and during long periods sequestered away from family. Um, so, uh, <laughs> they're basically saying like, yeah, uh, we were here for you before when you need, you needed, particularly at DC United, when you needed, 
uh, public outcry, support, and backing to get the stadium built. And uh, that, that, was, that was an economic benefit to you at the time. Uh, and we want you to make sure that these players can play this year and, and, and play ball with them so they don't, you don't get locked out. It's not just, I don't really know where uh, Levian and Kaplan stand on that particular matter. We're, we're never going to know that. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I thought it was interesting that, there, that, it, that, that, that uh, James and, and, and the Eagles took such a uh, definitive staking out point. And I saw a lot of the other groups do that too. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by it. And I think as a show, I, I think we both support this standpoint. I think it's, uh, you know, you have limited opportunities to have to have leverage in this situation as a, as a not as you know not being a player and owner. I think this is you get to use your soapbox here as the voice of the fans, saying that we want to see games played and we want the players to be made whole and to get what they want, and rather than you know anything else. I think that's important to do. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you know the the players have come and, and they gave concessions to that CBA that they had negotiated. Uh, they gave concessions like, you know, it, it, it really does feel like they're the ones, you know, and, 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 and you know, the, the, the league is trying their best to sort of maybe shift that narrative or to change that narrative. And I don't think it's working because we know that the players came to the table and said, OK, we're willing to do this. We're willing to give this. And and the owners really haven't, you know, done the same or they've said or, or I guess their assurances that things would be safe was was was, oh, we gave in on that. Yeah. <laughs> in some capacity. So, I mean, the fact that the players I think have, have given up the most of, of the CBA and this was a, and this was a land very much a, as close to a landmark CBA, the initial CBA they signed was a lot of changes. It was very, very generous to the players and, and the, and the owners seem to be retconning that. Um, and it, and it's a shame because it, it really did, I think, recognize sort of a, a step for the league in the right direction. And, and 2020 ruined a lot of things. And, and that's certainly one of them. Uh, and that's sad to see, uh, uh, from a lot of, and it's sad to see the owners behaving this way. Um, I guess that leads us into our next point. Our next point would be uh, make sure that you're, if you're listening to this and you don't subscribe to this podcast already, which is <laughs> potentially some of you, make sure you do that. Uh, we're going to, uh, after we talk about this next clip, we're gonna we're gonna get into our interview uh, with Hernan Lozada, uh, but we're gonna release the whole uh, interview end to end tomorrow on the podcast feed. So if you're not subscribed. And you want to hear that if you tuned into that and tuned into this tonight to hear that, make sure you're subscribed so you get it tomorrow. That's yep. the that's the big that's the big takeaway for the first uh, twenty minutes here of yep. this podcast. We're gonna have we're gonna have some some somewhat positive stuff to to close out the show. It's not all gonna be you know trade and labor negotiations for the for the entire podcast. Listen, it's always good to start Listen. the stuff with the really the high points. <laughs> everyone everyone loves labor negotiation talk. Everyone loves it. Everybody loves it. That's that's why people tune in. Uh, we'll stay out of we'll stay out of the allocation disorders lane on that a little bit. I think that's um, right. <laughs> all right, but let's talk about you know. So this there's the lockout, and this is kind of appears to be necessitating one thing we're seeing in MLS, which is uh, certain players, and maybe also due to the later start time. Uh, MLS, you know, right now we'd be probably talking about gearing up for the season. We'd be talking about you know we'd be maybe have some like grainy you know. <laughs> pre-game footage at this point but the pandemic has, has changed a lot of things and one of that has been of course the start to the season the start you know the projected start of the season uh that and the lockout concerns has led to uh players uh going on the uh, going on short-term loans and today we we had heard about this last you know kind of last week we had you know been sort of in the news now it is official as as the as the window in england and europe slams shut um 
Paul Ariola will be going on a short-term learn, loan. Uh, Swansea will pay his lage, uh, wages. There'll be salary cap relief. There's no option to buy, but we'll, we'll revisit during the loan. That is code for where, you know, if, 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 if we don't make the premiership, definitely not. If we make the premiership, we'll talk, I think is, I think is the word. And, and you know, the, the biggest thing about this deal is, of course, is you, the owners of, if you're not aware, the owners of Swansea City are also majority owners of DC United, or there is a, there is shared ownership there. So um, I'm not sure. Now, now, there is something to the effect, um, and, and, and there is a, uh, there is still a, uh, an option on Ariel's contract that uh, Tijuana, Club Tijuana, his former Liga MX side, get a sell-on fee um, if he's sold, um, and that I is apparently yeah, that is apparently pretty sizable. Um, so huh. that that can also dictate. Um, I'll, I'll I'll do some digging. I'll do some digging on that. But I'm I I know for a fact that that exists because at the time when he was signed, it was thinking that this was sort of a a stopping off point. Um, I'll have to figure out. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna do some digging right now. But John, um, let's start with your thoughts because I have some. I have some different, maybe some differing thoughts on this. Um, I am taking the, and I feel like it's like the third time I've quoted this movie. I am taking the Moneyball approach mm-hmm. uh, when they lose that star player uh, who I can't remember, and then the guy says, "I think this opens up a world of options for you." I, I have, I have that kind of thought about this. If if this ends up being the only time we don't see Paul Paul Riel in a DC jersey, yeah. So I think I I think I tweeted about this. I said, uh, should DC United fans be happy about this? No. <laughs> should DC United fans be happy for Paul? Yeah. Um, I think that I think that I think that's fine. I think that he is a he's been a player that has talked about wanting to make it to Europe. Um, I don't I don't know that Swansea was his dream destination, but this is an opportunity that he would not have had probably so easily if not for the shared ownership. And and I'm sure. That part of the conversation about the, the extended contract that he got with DC after the injury or during recovery was about facilitation of these opportunities that they should come by. I'm sure he said, I don't want what happened to Lucho to happen to me. Mm-hmm. If something comes up, I want to go. If, it, if it's the right situation for me and my family and for the team, then I want to do it. So he's in a position now where he gets to go to a team that's doing well. Second, second in the championship right now. Um, they've had some injuries. He'll probably get into the lineup very quickly. Uh, Jordan Morris has already come in as a sub uh, in his first game there. So there's real opportunity there for him to showcase his abilities. Uh, if he does well and they get promoted, best case scenario, he's playing in the most watched league in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, he is at the peak of his, he's at his athletic peak. He is not, the challenge I think they're all from Paul's side. It's it's all positives. There's not mm-hmm. there's nothing to take away from this. Is negative. He has had a lot of time in recovery. He's playing well for the men's national team. MLS may not happen, or if it happens, it's going to happen in a while. DC United is still a team that finished near the bottom, even though we have a new coach. There's not any new players coming in. So what you know, where our horizons are are a little bit lower maybe than than where he'd want to be. So from a team perspective. From a DC United perspective, I'm going to get all through this, Ted. So I'm, I'm going to talk through the, the case, and then you can tell me why you, why I'm wrong. Um, DC United, why is this good for them? There are no games anytime soon. So why not why not get some salary cap relief in the meantime, not have to pay his wages while, you're, while you have no money, uh, and then also showcase him, because if he wants to go, showcase him so that if he goes, you're going to get more money theoretically. The challenge here is the same thing that makes this possible. The fact that there's shared ownership between these two franchises means there's not the same incentive structure to 
get as much as you can get <laughs> out of the other out of the other side. It's it, it's like stealing from yourself. It's very it's it's uh, it's weird. It's a, it's a strange dynamic. It could be said that if this goes well and Swansea get promoted to the Premier League, they're going to have more money than they had ever thought, and you know, 150 million dollars new money, uh, and and Paul at six million dollars or five million dollars. While that's chump change when you look at the amount of money they get in from from a decent perspective, that goes a long way. So they're, they're, it's really about it's really about how they choose to play with their own within their own rules like they they can be as good or as bad as they want to be to both to both parties if it should happen and, and, and remember i mean the figure would be the figure for it is much easier to sell a homegrown player because you get i think you get 100 percent of those fees right. paul riola while he did play as an la galaxy homegrown dc do not have his homegrown rights so to speak uh so i don't think he counts i i would very much say he doesn't count as a homegrown player, uh, but they do get some. I think they would get some allocation money that they could sort of spend on their roster. Um, I, I guess I, I take this from the perspective of if you look at DC United's current roster construction, and I and I I, I fully agree with you. I think from a DC perspective, short term, this is this is this this does not make the team better. No. Um, and and we'll, 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 decidedly, we'll, we'll see. I, I bet they're gonna. I, I think they're gonna kind of just go out in this first month. But what I will say is, if DC had gone out and hired, I'll say Dave Sarakan. I'll just throw Dave Sarakan's name out there. So hired an MLS retread. I would be more upset about this. They went out. They hired uh, Hernan Lasada. They hired a guy who is now a project. You have now said we are now a project that we are building towards the future. The biggest thing I thought when they got a coach coming in, and the biggest reason why I didn't think they were going to go this route, was because I was like, there isn't a lot to build here. There's there's set contracts now that this team has with Paul. And, I, and I'm not saying they shouldn't have signed. They they definitely deserved and, and should have re- made sure to lock down Paul Ariola. If only but, to sell him, right? Yeah, if only to sell him or only to move him on, but also to have him locked down for that season. But there, there's not a lot of room. There's not a lot of room in, in, DC's, in DC's roster right now. They are very much set. Moving Paul kind of changes that equation, and DC is spending a lot of salary budget and a lot of stuff on wingers. You have Yamil Assad, you have Edison Flores, you have Julian Gressel, and you have Paul. You also just signed a uh, drafted somebody who plays as a forward, which will probably, you know, I think they all. It's looking like he's going to uh, to shift to the wing uh, in in Smith from Clemson. So. In a way, this kind of opens things up a little bit for Lasada maybe to go in and there's some roster space, there's some cap room where he can go and say, okay, now I have some, you know, Dave can say, look, we, we have some room now. We can kind of we can kind of get some players in that maybe, you know, we don't have a whole lot of room, but we have a little bit more than we did uh, if, if, if this if this happens. Um, and the worst case scenario really is he maybe doesn't perform as well and he's he's back in the D.C. lineup. Uh, I mean, that's really the worst case scenario here. Uh, maybe an injury uh, that, that could also be it. <laughs> but assuming no injuries, assuming no injuries, uh, right. you know, the, the worst case scenario is that he, he is uh, he, he's back in the lineup. Um, and this is also a case for Paul. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention lately, there are a lot of Americans, uh, you know, he, he was, he was viewed as sort of the, the young up and comer during 2018. Um, and, and I think some of that Christian Pulisic, like, uh, uh, basically left that unscathed. Paul got kind of dogged, dogged with that, uh, a lot. And I, and I think, you know, you look at all these up and coming Americans, you know, Matthew Hoppe, 
Uh, it's I think it's a large reason why Jordan Morris is out there pushing, you know, pushing to Swansea is because the the U.S. roster got a lot competitive very, very quickly. There are players, US, American players now playing for Champions League level sides, playing on the, in Champions League, starting in the Champions League, winning top trophies in these European countries and not, you know, not, you know, in Bulgaria or, you know, Switzerland or something like that in Italy, in Germany, in, in England, you know, playing week in and week out. There is a ton of, especially, especially at Paul Ariola's spot as well, a ton of competition that's emerging, a lot of young competition that's starting to play well. There are players now that are going over there. Uh, So for both Jordan Morris and Paul Ariola, this is about keeping yourself in the national team picture for him. Um, This is why this is incredibly important move for him to sort of reemerge himself into that picture. And if he makes it into the, uh, into the premiership, you know, then he's now back into that conversation. Um, so I, I think that's that's driving this that's driving this as well. Um, along, along with getting games and staying fit, uh, it, it's about staying in that national team picture. I think Paul Paul is the name written in pen on Burhalter's sheet, no matter where he's playing. I feel like he is the first, he's one of the, he's been playing as a dependable starter before the injury and after the injury. So I, I I think I think you're right that as the level increases and the options uh, proliferate for Greg to choose different players, it's important to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position to be competitive. But I think I think that he really likes what he brings to the table, regardless of where he's playing. So I mean you ha- you have you have convinced me in a lot of ways that by hiring Lazada, you're saying this is a multi-year thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, with, and, I, and he he hinted at that in the interview a little bit about you know hey this is going to be a, a, a you know I'm going to learn I'm going to be a longer process and I think that is you know pushing this you know I I I guess I you know I think some people you know have have hopes and there, there's some people that are upset about it and they're like oh you know what is the team doing I, you know oh, they're losing a player uh, you got to look at this from a perspective of let's see you know let's 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 see what this team can do now they have a new coach they have it they have a a direction they are going um so that, also, that, this is this is where we wanted to we we want to be in a position where our players are desired and, and are being bought mm-hmm. at the end of the day that's what soccer is unfortunately it, it's that this this sport is not other sports this is this is a, it's a global market and we are a league that we are a league and a team that has to do that to stay competitive and while I think, regardless of the setup, I think this will make us worse this year. I think he is our best player, regardless of where he plays on the field. And he, we will be worse for it. And I think it's very hard to find, I think, his value to the team. And if you saw the drop-off in performance last year with him not on the field from previous years, with generally the same roster with some changeover, uh, his value to the team exceeds whatever transfer fee they're going to get. Specifically if, as you brought up, and, and producer Brian did some work for us, uh, Tom Tom Bogert confirms that Tijuana has a, a significant sell-on clause. So whatever that number you're going to get from yourself, you're also going to lose a percentage of that. Uh, plus, you're going to lose a percentage to the league. So then you're you're really talking about salary cap relief and maybe a little bit and maybe a little bit of change. And, and getting to that, I mean, we talk about you know, I I do think I think the Lucho I'm going to say the Lucho Costa debacle. Regardless if there were other extenuating factors, we've never really gotten, I guess, a full confirmed story of what happened. There, there was a lot of rumors flying around. It was a, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy night. It feels like a decade ago. Um, it really does. Uh, but I, I think that that causes players looking at this league as, hey, here's a jumping off point, and then be, oh, well, DC United is interested in you. 
oh, they're the ones that, you know, they bungled up Lucho's, you know, transfer, you know, he's now at Atlas. I, I don't know about that. You know, I'm, I'm going to have a second thoughts. If you can, you know, have, if you show a willingness to sell players and also it affects Academy players too. And we've, uh, Charlie Boehm has talked a lot about how there are Academy players that did not want to go to DC, uh, DC Academy players. There are a lot of parents that just said, no, we're not going to do that because of what was happening, not getting playing time, kind of their careers kind of wilting away. Uh, so there was a lot of that that was going on. I mean, it led to Eric Williamson, um, you know, regardless of how the team felt about him, uh, Eric Williamson went off to went off to Portland. So I, I think D.C. is trying to change the narrative um, a little bit about about this. Um, it also and, it also opens up a spot for Griffin Yao that he would have had not had any playing time. Yep. And you yep. want to you want to get him bedded in and then also sell him on later. And you can't do that. So, yeah, I think I'm coming around a little bit on this. I think it's I think it's sad because he is my favorite player for this team, and I think he's the best player, and I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, but this team is not about winning the MLS Cup this year. Nope. So, nope. so you have to you have to do the other things. Be entertaining. Bunch of five, four, seven, three loss, seven, three losses maybe mixed in. Let's be what entertaining. A, what a year. wonderful what a wonderful transition to our next segment. <laughs> yes, uh, we, we we talked to some guy. Um, he said he was the coach. He didn't look like Ben, so I, I don't know. I don't know if I trusted him, but <laughs> yeah. or Chad Ashton. So I don't yeah, know or Chad going. Ashton. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but we did. Yeah, we should. We did talk to uh, Hernan Lasada. Uh, thanks uh, to the team for for giving us the opportunity to speak to him. Uh, I think we chose. I, he he had some interesting things to say, and we'll, I said you're going to get the full interview tomorrow. I think we picked a uh, not not to not to brag, but I feel like we picked a good time because I think he got some time to settle in. Um, and I think he had you know some of the other interviews. You know, I think he was kind of like they were asking him things, and he's like. I don't know. I just signed the contract. I I have not watched this team. He has uh, now. He now knows all of the players on the team, which yes. is a big a big benefit for talking about the team. Yeah, and I mean, he had, yeah he had some knowledge, you know, of uh, he did of know certain, some of them ahead of time. Yeah, some sure. of them ahead of time. Um, and we got into that, but I I think he got some. Uh, I think we got some good answers. We do have some clips uh, that we're gonna that we're gonna play for you. We have a we have a number of questions about the captaincy, which is interesting to me. Uh, we've got Ar- Arthur and Matthew Doyle have both. Or I'll sort of try to summarize the general questions. Um, how important do you view that role in the team, both on the field and in the locker room? Uh, what kind of responsibilities do you normally assign that position? So how much, you know, are they are they the go between for you with the team? I I feel like you're a young coach. You probably have a lot of conversations and and. And relationships with the players that's I probably I would imagine that's important to you so what do you how do you view that role and uh what how important it is to the way that you run your teams captain is important uh, for me captain is a lot more than than wearing band uh, around your, your left or, or right arm uh, you need to to show and be an example for for the group well I think we may have we have a video freeze here yeah. So let's just let's just let's just sort of talk about what he was what he was getting at. Um, he, he was he was saying that uh, that basically that he his the role is, is is about leadership in the locker room, and he's talked to some of the players who have been in that position before, which we would assume is Steve Birdbaum. He talked about uh, time uh, time on the team, so the long term players, and also sort of the roles that they play. Um, so. Unclear, unclear if he's got an idea already. I would, I'd be interested to see if Briant is in the conversation because of the the relationship he has with um, his. I believe they were uh, teammates briefly um, uh, a couple years ago when when Briant was playing in Belgium. 
but basically it is it is important to him it's a lot more than just the name of it it's about uh, it's about what it means to the to, to the team what it means to the community what it means uh, in the locker room so i think that that's that's what you that's what you would you'd hope to hear and i i, I think you'd expect to hear probably yeah um I, you know i think it's you know it is maybe a little bit of a generic say it's oh, it's more than just uh what's on the badge uh, i mean there but there is a lot to that and you know i I'll be curious to see, you know, that that's always the thing. Maybe you don't want to rock the boat too much in your first year. Maybe I think, I don't think there's any indication that Brimrom hasn't been doing a good job as captain. Nope. Uh, he's certainly one of the more senior players out there on the team. And uh, this team is going to need a leader in central defense because the way Lasada plays is very attacking. At least that's what he's claiming he's going to say. So um, I, I'm interested too. I guess the, the brilliant thing's interesting. Um, you know, this, I'd be curious to see how much of an impact he plays on this team. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that talk about um, about the fact that uh, they want to see Brilliant. A lot of fans want you know want Brilliant to kind of kind of ride off into the sunset every year. That's the discussion. How much yeah. more? How, and yet he's still there, uh, and yet he's still there, and he still plays. And, yeah, and plays and still does a pretty decent job. Yep. Um, so you know, obviously that cliff comes for every player, uh, especially when we start reaching that point. But Boswell uh, is a good example of that. I think, I think we tried to replace Bobby Boswell for two or three years and he kept starting. Um, so that, that is a, that is in a traditional role with DC United where <laughs> you want, we want the and, young center back to play. Well, you, we will eventually. And, and in a way you have a, uh, you, you have a league right now that is becoming so top heavy that you almost need that experience because your young, your young spry, uh, center defenders are going to make a lot of mental mistakes uh, because it takes a while to learn that position, and that can be almost as bad as it be. You know, there's you, you do see, and you saw it with Boswell that physically sometimes he was just not able to do able to cover his 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 ability to read the game and everything. Um, and that's was, why he played uh, like two games for Atlanta and then retired. So yep. <laughs> <laughs> and his kid says he wasn't very good, so that's he wasn't true. really sad about that. That's still the greatest like tweet I think a player ever gave. Uh, we got the next one clip coming up uh, where he talks. It's gonna, yeah, it's going to talk a little bit about why he came to uh, MLS and DC United and why he came right now. Yep. In a lot of the other interviews you had last week, you were talking about the attractiveness of MLS to you as a de- as a destination. Uh, and that's sort of, that's an that's a interesting um, comment, all because I think that American fans have such a conflict in their own mind about what this league is like what does this league want to be does it want to be one of the best in the world does it want to be a selling league where does it actually see itself what are the things that you noticed from watching it from afar or from when you had i think i read that you had a, a yellow van damme was a, a either a former teammate of yours or a friend so you got to see sort of some of the environment what about what you saw made it made you think a i want to coach there someday and then b that this league is maybe better than its reputation on the continent? Well, first of all, the infrastructure and organization. You have a country that has a culture for sport. Uh, you guys are very competitive since, since you are kids, since you are young, starting with the universities with, uh, at school. And that attracts me a lot, that, that uh, winning's mentality um, an organization and infrastructure that you have been building on uh, the last couple of years. When you see the stadiums that many teams are now building are not anymore the old ones where you are using for American football, baseball, concerts. No, now every club is, is building its own stadium. Uh, you don't see anymore all stars ending their careers in, at the MLS. You also see a lot of young talent and that makes 
that the MLS now has also another speed. Uh, the speed of the game is, is much quicker and much higher than, than years ago. So I really think that the MLS has potential I mean, in the short term, also become one of the biggest competitions uh, in the world. We like to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we do, do like, like to. to we do like to hear that, John. <laughs> you know, I, I guess that is that that is something. I guess that is it, it's it's good it's good for me to hear when I hear because I don't know how many times you read the, you know, player you know player X signs with MLS anytime you know a Zlatan or some other player. So, oh, you, there's always those those common oh retirement league, retirement league, retire you know all the all the things and and that is something and you know I've I you know I've always fought against that idea. I was like, well, you look now, there's younger players coming in, and it's I think it's finally that is finally starting to to seep in. I think more into Europe, and I think that's why you're seeing a lot more players going over to Europe. A lot more of the talent is being recognized in the league. Uh, and I think you got that in that interview. He talked about, you know, there's a lot, you know, it's no more the, I think he was saying the old stadiums, you know, there's new infrastructure. I'm sure that is maybe something that's that's attractive to him. Yes, uh, there, there's the Chelsea's and Liverpool's of the world, but I, I guarantee you there's some of those smaller clubs. Locker rooms probably don't look too different from RFK. Um, so, uh, so I think that's something that that is probably as a coach very attractive because you can have state-of-the-art facilities, state-of-the-art. You know, you can do a lot more uh, to sort of to sort of build your club. It's not just like you know, oh, let's go over to the local park and and train and <laughs> and stretch. So, so this this next clip was one of my favorites uh, about sort of uh, we <laughs> Emil Assad came up. We were talking sort of about uh, what is what does he have a set formation that he wants to play? Does he have a set idea about what has to happen in order for it to be a Lozada team and to be playing the way he wants? Uh, and we talked about uh, Yamil's short experiment as a number eight uh, during the Chad Ashton regime at DC United and, and how fans were, I know at least myself and I think Ted too, were, were really impressed at the way he played, particularly with how poorly the rest of the season had gone for him. And this is what he uh, had to say about it. Did you, what, what did you think about the experiment of putting Yamil in the middle of the field for the last, uh, I think maybe five or six games? He's been traditionally a winger for this team. Um, I think last year he had very uneven performances. I think he would probably attest to that too, either by injury or r probably rust after not playing for quite a long time. Um, but he had a, he had a turn playing in, in sort of a eight, in the eight position, and I think he did really well. Fans were really excited about that. I, I just wanted to know if you had noticed that sort of tactical change for him and, and if you had any general thoughts about it. Uh, yeah, I know him from Argentina. He used to be a winger, like you say, where he can make uh, his actions on, especially uh, those one one v one situations uh, against the line. Uh, but I also think he could be um, a creative, uh, creative, offensive midfield player that with a little bit more of freedom and closer to the 16 of the opponent. Uh, he could be dangerous. I saw those games that you mentioned where he played more as a uh, mix uh, controller slash offensive midfield player, more number eight position. He did it quite well, but I don't believe that's that's his best position. Uh, Yamil, he he needs to play close to the 16 of the opponent, where his actions could be dangerous um, and and where you can create uh, scoring chances or or give assists. Uh, the closer to the 16 of the opponent, uh, the better, I believe.
Got it. So the new coach does not agree with my tactical assessment. So already <laughs> he's starting off at a really wrong foot. Well, yeah, you can, you can, you, if he, if he does change his mind, you might say, he might go back and look, Oh, maybe this could work. And then, and then you can take credit for it. That's how that works. Um, I've, we've um, got it. We've got it pinned. We're ready to go if that happens. Yes, exactly. Um, but I, I guess, the, and the one thing he does talk about in the interview, um, I think beginning, uh, he, he's watching clips. He's like, what are you spending? How are you spending your time? He's like, I'm watching games. And I apologize for the 2020 season. I said, I'm so sorry. You have to go watch some of those games. Um, and then he's like, well, I watched some, you know, 2019 too. And I watched some Rooney. Uh, so, you know, with Rooney and Acosta. So he, uh, he, he's definitely doing his homework, which is good to see, I guess, as a, as a, as a coach, I don't know what else I would expect. Um, but it's nice. And you can tell in his answers that he, that he's doing his homework. So good to see. Yeah, I, 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 other than you know him being wrong, uh, I think. <laughs> other than that, although now that we have another spot open up on the wing, I, I, yet yet again, Yamil is, is moved moved up one. And I too, I think that he talked about. And you'll you'll hear it in the interview tomorrow, um, or on on Tuesday, since this podcast will come out on Thursday. Uh, he he said that there were a lot of players who were injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that affected, we, we know that Edison Flores was injured and, uh, that was affecting the way he played. He did not have the season he wanted, but I think there were other players too, who were dealing with injuries throughout. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's and, something to consider. And, and I'm not sure it might, let's, let's play the next clip coming up and, and then we'll, we'll get into that where he talks a little bit about, um, sort of how he wants to, how he wants the team to play. We got another question from, uh, from Jeffrey Cook, uh, what expectations uh, have you set? F- uh, have you set for yourself for for this for this year, or for just for just for taking this job? Um, expectation number one is to have an identity um, that we all know. When you are watching this United, what kind of game we are playing? Uh, what was the plan? What are we doing? What are we doing when we have the ball, and what are we doing when we don't have the ball? Uh, for a neutral supporter, you, you put the TV on and you watch this United, you know what kind of team we are. I think that's that's the challenge number one, to, to find the right identity for this roster. Aaron, it's like you were listening to our podcast a couple weeks ago. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a verbatim thing I think we've been asking for for about a year is that is that so that's wonderful to hear yeah i couldn't resist i couldn't resist it yeah you could you could <laughs> i couldn't help myself it, it, it was very interesting uh, i think in the interview uh, we brought up and I, I i i have to think he may have been listening to some of the other like mls podcasts and everything i, I know on the extra time radio podcast with with matt doyle uh you know matt doyle has raged against this idea that dc can play a three five twos like oh they don't have the the ability to do that and he he, he was very quick to i think in the podcast to say look you know how how i played at 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 bear scott is not how uh is not how i i wanted to play uh in the future i hope i hope our stream the video just died on my end hopefully everything good (laughs) but but the way the way i played at bear scott is not i played it because that that that, those were the players i had to play it's not necessarily how i am going to uh, I am going to play in the future and, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look at the squad and I'm going to assess and I'm going to pick the the way, the best way I think this team can play. Uh, and, and that's comforting to hear. Uh, I, I have been somebody who, who has raged against the idea that coaches, I think get too caught up in this idea of like, I, this is the way I'm playing and we're going to play this way. And I'm like, no, you should, you should look at your squad and you should pick, 
the best way that your squad can play that your players you have. If you can't, if you don't have a Manchester City or Liverpool size budget, maybe you shouldn't try to play ticky tacky soccer unless you're really, really good at scouting those guys and really good at finding those guys. Because um, I know it's possible with lower budgets, but it's it's a lot harder, especially in this league as well. So um, I, I was comforted to hear that he, you know, he he's going to he wants to establish an identity, but he's not going to hold to a formation or a particular style of play. Uh, he's going to choose what's what he thinks is most effective, and that's that that's really what the goal of any coach should be. Yeah, I'm. You know, I said it. This is this is we we have been talking about the idea is that I would love for. Uh, if a neutral was talking about DC United, they could say what we played like. Mm-hmm. What, what what are we going to do to the opponent? What's our what what do we set out to do? And it seems like he's got that in mind. And it doesn't necessarily mean a set formation or a set lineup, but I think that there's an idea of a style of play that he wants to implement that will become DC United. Uh, and I think all you and I and all of the rest of the fans are ready for something new to be that. We don't mm-hmm. know what it is yet. It seems. He talks about it in the rest of the interview, which, again, make sure you're subscribed uh, to RFK Refugees podcast on uh, whatever podcast app you use. We're on it. Um, but he talked about 6-5 versus one nothing. He talked about uh, it's about making the supporters who make this team and this league and, and this club a culture and, and dynamic and a family and also the neutrals that watch this game make it worth their while. There's a lot of other soccer they could be watching. Let's make them want to watch the DC United game when it when it comes on FS1 versus anything else that they could be watching. That's used, great. It used to be it used to be like that. Um, I think uh, MLS showed a clip from 2007, and I was watching uh, Jaime Moreno and Luciano Emilio like link up on a on a shot. And it was almost like watching like something from like a. I mean, it was very much like a different era. It was at RFK Stadium, so I, I was no. There was no classification, but it was like, when's the last time? I mean, I know there've been moments, there've been stretches, there've been. When's the last time? I, I just you know, I I remember 2007, 2006. I was excited to go watch a DC United game, and and I've I've had that in small spurts. I've had that in. Uh, had that in, you know, last part of 2018 or, you know, or last part of 2016, I had moments. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to go watch DC. Uh, but a lot of the time for about 10 years now, it's been like, all right, I got to go watch DC United. I hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully maybe they'll surprise me this time, you know, or, 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 and, and you know, and, and, so yeah, I, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited. I want to see some some nice uh, attacking, fun soccer. I want to be I want to be enjoyed. I want to be entertained. That's right. So it benefits us personally, and it benefits us professionally. So yes, yes. <laughs> Do yes. both of those things. So that's that is that is that's the part of the uh, that is the clips we we put together for this for this show. Um, there's a lot of other great questions he answers from us. There's a lot of great questions he answers from the fans. So make sure that you listen to that uh, full podcast on Tuesday, and make sure you're subscribed. Yep. Let's, yep. let's go on to the rest of the show. There's actually even more. Yes. Uh, so there are some, uh, there were some contracts finalized in the last couple of weeks that we've got, you know, one player going out the door with Paul going to Swansea for uh, at least until May. Uh, Chris Adoyatsum, who had been one of the players that uh, was negotiating with the team, signed a two year deal with another a year option, which is the thing we were talking about before. MLS loves their options and loves to control uh, players' destinies. Uh, Felipe also re-signed one year with another player option, which I believe is what we predicted would happen as they were negotiating that. It was very much an idea of he's not going to come back till the end of this year. 
let's give him I, another year also. I, I, I will I will put I will put on there's about in my opinion a seventy five percent chance Felipe ends up on the coaching bench next season Ooh, at this point. He's thirty one. Oh, he's thirty one. Okay, so he's younger he's than so, I thought. I'm sorry, I thought he was a little bit older. Never mind. I think I think that maybe that option, depending on how he plays, maybe that option is exercised. Ted's um, feeling very old at thirty now, so now he's just assuming <laughs> everyone at thirty one is falling apart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also today, there's a there was a, a tweet that came out uh, that Lozada is adding Nicholas Frutos to his staff, uh, the former teammate of his, and he's currently on staff and has been on staff at Anderlecht, which is a team that's always in Europe, always playing in either Champions League or uh, Europa League. So that was, I believe, he. I think he was given one spot uh, for the for for the uh, coaching staff. We're retaining a lot of others. I know that uh, we lost Nolan Sheldon to Austin. Um, mm-hmm. So there was at least a one. There was at least one spot, and Chad Ashton and Zach Thornton have been retained. So they may, may they may add more. They may not. I would imagine uh, they don't uh, in this in this year and sort of this resource constrained environment. They probably will just say, "This is what we've got to work with." Yeah. But it's good to have a familiar face and someone that knows that knows him. Yeah, I mean it's really clear. I mean Zach Thornton is 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 the goalkeeper coach out there. Uh, long time, uh, long time legend MLS goalkeeper. Uh, Chad Ashton, I'm sure is will bring there's always arguments about his about his competency as a coach and, and everything like that i results, think he showed I, say, yeah results said he did already right, yeah yeah last part of 2020 he showed something so I, I i've always i've always thought there was more there, there was a lot of people that on on the big soccer boards and everything that that thought that chad ashton was didn't know what he was doing i've always i've always pushed against that i think he's a very good coach but i think he, he will bring also i think a, a note he will know the players he'll be able to help both lasada and the and the coaches and zach thornton as well but um i think that'll certainly help uh that'll certainly help for him um in, in that regard so I'm, I'm glad they're retained I, you know we'll see what happens the next season i'm sure this is a you know maybe it's once they get their few wet you know lasada's like nope i want to bring in some different guys so thanks but no thanks um, but let's get to the draft, which feels like forever ago. It does. It, also, the, I think that this this year, uh, the draft choices are more important than they will have ever been, and they, when they will have been for many years. Yeah, this is, I, this is about this is about signing players who can fill bodies that, that can fill roster spots that don't cost you very much money and that can provide depth. And that's they're going to keep. I, I will I will bet decent money that all three of these guys are offered. Yep, I think though they're going to sign. They're going to sign all three of these, especially right back as a position of need. Uh, Michael DeShields, a position of need. Uh, Kamarni Smith was kind of the the wild card, and I think, I, I think Dave Casper had an inkling that this this loan deal to Swansea was happening, and he was like, "All right, I need a winger." Uh, the fact that this team traded up in the draft, which is something they they Almost never do, they That's they do not do it this early. They they got they. Picked in the top two picks in the top five, which they have not done. I don't. I would. I would hedge uh, ever. Maybe once in, in, in the draft. For sure. This sent. You know, this is before the Areola news and everything. I think had really sort of developed. Maybe it was a. It was a small rumor um, that it sort of developed. But this gave me an indication that I'm like, I'm not expecting many signings this year. Many, many big major signings. I know they said they're still think looking for a forward to compete. Yep. Maybe this Areola thing opens something up. Um, where they fill that third DP slot with the idea, you know, maybe they sell Areola. Uh, but now that I think that's maybe maybe shifted a little bit of that of, of my thinking upon this. But the fact that they traded, the fact that they traded a fairly sizable chunk of allocation money, I think it's like 75 this year, 50 next year, or something like that. I know it's 125 total. Um, so this seemed to indicate to me that the, that 
these were going to be maybe the biggest signings coming into the club. And I know there are fans out there that are not that will that will not be happy. I am expecting some very unhappy when 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 the season starts getting started. There's going to be that one fan who's going to be or several fans are going to be like, what does the team sign? What have they done? It, it is what it is, and and I think we got to get used to that at this point with with this with the way this team's constructed. I am not I am not expecting any big signings. I'm, that's that's gonna that's gonna be uh, that reminds me of the time in an Audi Field after Bill left, where it was like the fifth game of the season. The guy behind me was like, "Where'd Bill Hamid go?" And then I was like, "I feel like that guy's a season ticket holder." Yeah, like he doesn't he didn't know. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think that there are gonna, you're right. There's gonna be people that were that are very confused where Paul went. <laughs> and also, who are who are these who are these Jamokes from college that I've never heard of? Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna pretend to be uh, Travis Clark and give you sort of the rundown. I, I, in, in the intervening time, there's been a lot of uh, I think Black and Red did a good rundown. I'm sure that you can go to Top Drawer Soccer and see what Travis wrote about the draft in total. Um, the the draft itself was was kind of crazy. There and I and I, I sort of expected that uh, the the consensus number one did not go number one. Uh, there was the guy from Virginia Tech whose name I can't remember uh, went went number one, so that was kind of surprising. Uh, it, it, and even uh, Michael DeShields was a little bit surprising because uh, there was, I think, at least there was at least a Generation Adidas uh, defender out there who actually went in the next pick, and you know the and a another pick that a lot of people were saying he didn't go until the second round. Uh, he was projected to go early, so the the draft itself was crazy. I think we saw the we saw the impacts that we had sort of discussed. Um, that we sort of discussed about the draft. I'm not going to, uh, let's say Travis Clark's assessment was not great on on DC's draft, but you know, if DeShields ends up being a starter and Kamari Smith ends up making an impact in starting, then it'll look like a great draft. Uh, dra- draft grades are are very are very uh, are are very you mean odd. eventually, right? You don't mean this year. You mean like at some point, eventually, or or maybe this year. Who knows? If I would, I would imagine if either of those players are starting for us this year, we we are there's trouble, trouble ahead. Who knows, man? Who knows? You never know. You don't. They, know. they traded up, man. They 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 made moves to go get those guys. They did. They trade, but they traded, they traded MLS funny money that they didn't think they were going to spend anyway. So it's when when I think that the, the assets were not so crazy that we get, we can say for sure what these players' roles are going to be. I think they're yeah. going to play in Loudon. I think they just needed bodies that they could that they could count on if something went wrong. And they needed if they if if a COVID outbreak happened on the team and they needed to fill they needed to fill with with with, with players, they they now have more of them. Last year we finished, uh, I believe, with twenty three players on the active roster. You're allowed to have twenty eight. Um, that's dumb. <laughs> you should not do that. <laughs> Don't do that. So I'm glad that that's changed. I think that that's I think that's been the, the most positive thing. Uh, I, thing I learned, and I'm sure Travis knew already, and may I may have already said, on our podcast, and I missed it. That players are allowed to, re- to, they can play their spring college seasons without doing anything. So Kamarni Smith can finish out at Clemson if he wants and play, uh, and does not is not is not penalized for being drafted by by DC United. Michael DeShields already signed a contract with New England, New England Revolution Two, so he can't. So he either yeah. comes here or he goes to New England Revolution Two and plays. Those are those are his options. I I, I would I would hedge to bet that DeShields. It, he will. I'm sure whatever he was pay, being paid in New England Revolution to, uh, DC at the very least should be able to match that. And I'm sure he will say, yeah, or you know, even if it's a little bit less, yeah, either I'm going to go play, you know, USL League One, uh, or I'm going to go play in MLS. I'll take the I'll take the the, the playing in MLS uh, right now over that. So, um, so I think I think the the big takeaway here is uh, these are players that 
DCs might use this year. The, the, yes. The, 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 the draft normally is, let's just take some guys and take them to training camp and see what happens, and we don't really care. Uh, maybe we'll take the maybe maybe the first round draft pick is somebody that we might offer. It's not been the case. I mean, if you look if you look back in the last couple of years of the draft, most of those players are playing in USL or just not around. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so this is this is a different year and COVID is it's a it's about COVID and it's about money. It's it, it's gotten more. I mean, it, it's also the nature of homegrown rules and, and players signing contracts a lot earlier. Uh, you had Philly sign a bunch of homegrowns and then just trade completely out of the draft. Um, and, and you still have other teams like Austin, like Nashville, uh, who are, who, you know, Minnesota, who do not have robust academies right now, who, who, who have a need to go, to go do that. So um, we'll see. And uh, Angus, uh, Angus Long on the chat says, uh, I think the Shields comes as a depth piece and I'd rather have him than Axel Schoberg. Yep. Agreed. So he's, and he's <laughs> I have not seen any of the shields, but yes, I will agree with that. <laughs> yeah. He's the shields is a, was a TNT. Um, he was on the roster last night for the, for the U S TMNT game. He didn't, I don't think he played. And I, it probably good that he didn't play because right. I, it didn't, it didn't a seven, nothing victory, two goals from Paul Ariola. Uh, I was watching pieces of that game. Um, I didn't, I wasn't able, I have it recorded. I might sit down and, and I didn't get a chance it's not to watch worth it. it. <laughs> it's not really a game, so to speak. It's, it's, a, it's like the Cuba game where I was uh, at Audi it, field. It's not, it's not really soccer at it, this point, you know, and it is, it, there's, there's always the, the crowd on Twitter about, about you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do a Jurgen, right? I'm not going to do it. Don't do it. I'm, I'm going to stay away. I'm going to stay away. I'm going to stay away. You pay me $5 every time you talk about Jurgen. I, I will pay $5 to say that people, pe- pe- people suddenly, <laughs> you said $5. For, I, I will pay $5 for people to say that Jurgen was the only person, only coach in U.S. soccer history that was saying to go to Europe. Every coach was saying that. And he deserves zero credit for everything. And I will continue to beat that drum. DC United open, uh, broke ground on their new training facility. <laughs> Job, I broke John, man. everybody. Good, I broke John, everybody. Good job. <laughs> Which is great. Uh, that 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 is something that kind of sat. And uh, you never, you know, I, I don't know if we're ever worried about the financial stability of the owners, but when we you... No, we were. I think we were. Yeah, we might have been a little bit, but I think the fact that they are breaking... Maybe, maybe that comes from not paying Paul Ariel's, Paul Ariel's salary That's for right. a little bit. They, they, got, they, got all the, they got all these shovels. That's how they got, that's how they got these gold shovels. Yeah, but... But the the training opening the training facility breaking ground on that getting construction started on that, uh, very 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 good for a whole host of reasons. Having a central location that you can train, having not having to rent facilities, uh, and to have the training fields and just the the general facilities that is something DC has been very very behind on, and it's something that I think gets missed a lot when you talk about you know clubs how clubs are able to attract players. That players are going to spend at most, you know, what two hours every couple weeks at the stadium, the training facility, and the training facility is the main driving point where they're going to spend a majority of their time. The off season, they're going to spend the time during the during the during the week when they practice. Uh, so having those, if you're spending most of your time there, uh, not to say your stadium can be crap, but you know, it's it's important to have good training facilities, and that's something DC's been missing for for a long time. So I would argue this is a more important venture, more important development uh, than than DC's had in a long time. Uh, big, bigger than a new signing because it's going to attract new signings. So here's the here's the big here's the big uh, chunk here of relevant. The facility will include a forty thousand square foot training center on a thirty acre campus, which includes four full size outdoor practice fields and an elite training center equipped with a weight room 
recovery facilities for the club's performance and medical staff. The Audi Performance Center, located inside the training facility, will have educational resources and tutorial resources available for academy players, as well as a video room the club can utilize to review film for training sessions and previous matches. The facility, by the way, they've been doing that at Audi Field uh, and at the present and at the St. James, so it'll be nice to have it all in place. Uh, the facility is in close proximity to Segra Field, the 5,000-seat stadium uh, it's, uh, that also serves the Spirit, Old Glory, which is the rugby team. Um, so the important thing there is uh, the Spirit will be playing games exclusively at Segra until fans are allowed in Audi Field. They're also going to be using this facility as their training facility. Um, so you're going to have three professional teams and an academy teams all using this all at once. I think it's great. I think that sort of having the academy be in the same place as the first team gives you opportunities that you would not get any other way. It's great for the academy kids to get that opportunity to see uh, where how they measure up and how big, how big they still have to go to get where they want to be. I think, as Ted said, uh, it's a lot different practicing at RFK than it is practicing at your own facility, even if you have to drive a long way from D.C. to get there. Uh, and we and we joked with Ernan about what that decision might be like for him, <laughs> where he wants to actually live. We, we we played up the Virginia. I think he said he's going to be neutral and live in D.C. And I'm like, that's a good choice because then you know, there's a Virginia Maryland rivalry. So I introduced him to that. Yeah, so um, now he knows. Now he will say that uh, the fact that you can't buy uh, alcohol outside of a uh, specialty store in Maryland means it's a it's a trash state that you shouldn't live in. It's a, <laughs> he, said, he said that. Um, but anyway, this is this is a this is a great thing that we've been waiting for. It's finally, I think we've been worried about when they actually will get started. They're promising it'll be ready by the summer, which is fantastic. Um, I, I think we've got a comment in the, in, the, in the YouTube chat about saying, wishing that the team posted renderings of the training facility. I, I do too. I, it would be nice. I think the problem is going to be that it's not going to be the Atlanta United training facility. Um, I don't know if you saw renderings of that. Arthur Blank is very rich, folks. Like <laughs> He's got a lot of money. Um, so it may not be as visually... A, uh, appealing. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It's about having a central place that has all the amenities they need in this, in, in, in a, in a single spot. Um, so it's great. Good news. Yeah. Good news for the team. This is, this is that they, they were very excited about having done this. And this is to them a, a, a reminder of the commitment that, the, that they have put forward for this team. And, and, and if you guys have any, have any doubts as to, as to, as to what, what it's going to look like, uh, go dig up the NBC Sports uh, production they did on Dwayne De Rosario, and fast forward to the clip of the RFK training facility, which looked like something out of 1970s Soviet Russia, and that tell me that whatever they're building, regardless, it might not be as flashy or as good, is going to be uh, a worse than that. Um, I, I I think that's important, even though I think now they're like at the St James, which might actually be a it is very nice, very nice facility. Um, um, from one, from but one they don't own so. it, and now they're gonna they're gonna own it. They're <laughs> they're gonna own it, and they're gonna get some money from Old Glory Rugby and from uh, the Spirit. And I'm sure I'm sure that those fields will get put to use, and you know that's a, that's another revenue stream for the club. They said they said that the turf fields are for are for the rec players and for the for the tournament. So yeah, yeah. So it's that's community building too. It's community building, that and comes it keeps with that. them off the Audi turf for for practices, so that we can be sure that it's never overused. <laughs> Exactly. So it's a, everybody wins. It's all good. The only people that lose are the the the, the players that are, have to commute like every, like all the rest of us uh, Jamokes uh, once once COVID goes away and we have traffic again. 
I think some a lot of them are going to live in Loudon. I think there's going to be there's going to be there's going to be maybe a migration. Russell Canals uh, like, is going to make a lot of money on all these real estate deals for these players. I know, man. I, hey, hey, maybe he's got a pipeline there. He can I just be like, <laughs> if it's like, new players come in. Hey, uh, Steve, you know a guy who does uh, real estate? Actually, so yes, I do. I do. In fact, <laughs> my card. You know me. I'm already here for you. So a chalk, uh, that was a chalk chalk packed show there. I think guys, I think this is. I think this yeah. covered a lot of stuff tonight. Yep, there's a lot to talk about. So um, I think we're going to wrap up that. Subscribe to the podcast tomorrow. Full Lasada interview. This the show will be coming out later. You can see it on YouTube, so it's not it's not that big of a deal. But we will release the we will release this show in a podcast form. But uh, definitely check out the full interview with Hernan Lasada. Uh, it's fantastic. I think I think he did a really excellent job. Thank you so much to him, the team, for joining up on the show. Uh, Twitter.com slash refugees rfgrafugees.com john you you do most of the plugs man you sure, man. you're, you're active <laughs> so patreon our, our patreon subscribers have the opportunity to listen to the lasada interview live on thursday through our discord channel yep. which is i'm also plugging our discord channel uh, we'll, we'll post a link to that if that's something you do um so that's if you if you like to support the show we we appreciate it it makes uh, a lot of the stuff where this you know the show looks a lot better than it used to uh, those things actually do cost money, so that's how that's how we do it. It's it's by the support of our Patreon subscribers. Yep. So do that if you'd like to. Yeah, if you and and, uh, and producer Brian also has been a huge part of that show. Yes. Thank him. He he uh, he knocked it out of the park again today. Uh, I think every show he he learns something new or does something new that that's awesome. So All skill we, building. It's a, this this show for him is a resume. He's a uh, audio and video engineering resume building uh, opportunity. It's a absolutely. Big, it's a big internship. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all so, so much for listening. Um, I don't know what our schedule will be, whether we'll do a show next week, um, whether we'll come back on. I think it'll depend maybe on the news. Maybe we'll have a lockout special. Um, we'll see. Maybe we can chorus some players. Just kidding. Just kidding. DC, we, we, we'll we'll respect you. We'll respect you. Uh, but we'll catch you guys uh, down the road. Vamos.